Act Two of Henry V. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Henry V by William Shakespeare. Act Two. Prologue. Enter Chorus. Now all the youth of England are on fire, and silken dalliance in the wardrobe lies. Now thrive the armourers, and honour's thought reigns solely in the breast of every man. They sell the pasture now to buy the horse, following the mirror of all Christian kings, with winged heels as English mercuries. For now sits expectation in the air, and hides a sword from hilts unto the point with crowns imperial, crowns and coronets, promised to Harry and his followers. The French, advised by good intelligence of this most dreadful preparation, shake in their fear, and with pale policy seek to divert the English purposes. O England! model to thy inward greatness, like little body with a mighty heart! What mightst thou do that honour would thee do, were all thy children kind and natural? But see thy fault! France hath in thee found out a nest of hollow bosoms, which he fills with treacherous crowns, and three corrupted men, one Richard, Earl of Cambridge, and the second Henry, Lord Scroop of Masham, and the third Sir Thomas Grey, Knight of Northumberland, have, for the guilt of France, O oh, guilt indeed! confirmed conspiracy with fearful France, and by their hands this grace of kings must die, if hell and treason hold their promises, ere he take ship for France and in Southampton. Linger your patience on, and will digest the abuse of distance, force a play. The sum is paid, the traitors are agreed, the king is set from London, and the scene is now transported, gentles, to Southampton. There is the playhouse, there must you sit, and thence to France shall we convey you safe and bring you back, charming the narrow seas to give you gentle pass. For if we may, we'll not offend one stomach with our play. But till the king come forth, and not till then, unto Southampton do we shift our scene. Exit. Scene one, London, a street. Enter Corporal Nim and Lieutenant Bardolph. Well met, Corporal Nim. Good morrow, Lieutenant Bardolph. What, your ancient pistol and you friends yet? For my part, I care not. I say little, but when time shall serve, there shall be smiles, but that shall be as it may. I dare not fight, but I will wink and hold out mine iron. It is a simple one, but what though? It will toast cheese, and it will endure cold as another man's sword will, and there's an end. I will bestow a breakfast to make you friends, and will be all three sworn brothers to France. Let it be so, good Corporal Nim. Faith, I will live so long as I may, that's certain of it. And when I cannot live any longer, I will do as I may, that is my rest. That is the rendezvous of it. It is certain, Corporal, that he is married to Nell quickly, and certainly she did you wrong, for you were troth plight to her. I cannot tell. 
things must be as they may men may sleep and they may have their throats about them at that time and some say knives have edges it must be as it may though patience be a tired mare yet she will plod there must be conclusions well i cannot tell enter pistol and hostess here comes ancient pistol and his wife good corporal be patient here how now mine host pistol base tyke call'st thou me host now by this hand i swear i scorn the term nor shall my nell keep lodges no by my troth not long for we cannot lodge and board a dozen or fourteen gentlewomen that live honestly by the prick of their needles but it will be thought we keep a bawdy house straight nim and pistol draw oh well-a-day lady if he be not drawn now we shall see wilful adultery and murder committed good lieutenant good corporal offer nothing here pish pish for thee iceland dog thou pricky and cur of iceland oh, good corporal nim show thy valour and put up your sword will you shog off i will have you solace solace egregious dog oh viper vile the solace in thy most marvellous face the solace in thy teeth and in thy throat and in thy hateful lungs yea in thy maw purdy and which is worse within thy nasty mouth i do retort the solace in thy bowels for i can take and pistol's cock is up and flashing fire will follow i'm not barbazan you cannot conjure me i have an humour to knock you indifferently well if you grow foul with me pistol i will scour you with my rapier as i may in fair terms if you would walk off i would prick your guts a little in good terms as i may and that's the humour of it oh braggart vile and damned furious white the grave doth gape and doting death is near therefore exhale hear me hear me what i say he that strikes the first stroke i'll run him up to the hilts as i am a soldier draws an oath of mickle might and fury shall abate give me thy fist thy forefoot to me give thy spirits are most tall i will cut thy throat one time or other in fair terms that is the humour of it couple a gorge that's the word i thee defy again o hound of crete think'st thou my spouse to get no to the spit will go and from the powdering keg of infamy fetch forth the lazarkite of cressid's kind doll tear sheet she by name and her espouse i have and i will hold the quondam quickly for the only she and pauker there's enough go enter the boy mine has pistol you must come to my master and you hostess he's very sick and well to bed good bottles put thy face between his shits and do the office of a warning pan faith he's very hell away you rogue by my troth he'll yield the crow a pudding one of these days ah oh, the king has killed his art good husband come home presently exeunt hostess and boy come shall i make you two friends we must to france together why the devil should we keep knives to cut one another's throats let floods or swill and fiends for food hail on you'll pay me the eight shillings i won of you at betting base is the slave that pays that now i will have that's the humour of it 
as manhood shall compound push home they draw by this sword he that makes the first thrust i'll kill him by this sword i will sword is an oath and oaths must have their course corporal nim and thou will be friends be friends and thou wilt not why then be enemies with me too prithee put up i shall have my eight shillings i won of you at betting a noble shalt thou have and present pay and liquor likewise will i give to thee and friendship shall combine and brotherhood i'll live by nim and nim shall live by me is this not just for i shall subtler be unto the camp and profits will accrue give me thy hand i shall have my noble in cash most justly paid well then that's the humour oft re-enter hostess as ever ye came a women come in quickly to sir john ah oh, poor art he is so shaked of a burning quotidian tertian that it is most lamentable to be old sweet men come to him the king hath run bad humours on the night that's the even of it nim thou hast spoke the right his heart is fractured and corroborate the king is a good king but it must be as it may he passes some humours and careers let us condole the night for lambkins we will live scene two southampton a council chamber enter exeter bedford and westmoreland for god his grace is bold to trust these traitors they shall be apprehended by and by how smooth and even they do bear themselves as if allegiance in their bosoms sat crowned with faith and constant loyalty the king hath note of all that they intend by interception which they dream not of nay but the man that was his bedfellow whom he hath dulled and cloyed with gracious favours that he should for a foreign purse so sell his sovereign's life to death and treachery trumpet sound enter king henry v scroop cambridge gray and attendants now sits the wind fair and we will aboard my lord of cambridge and my kind lord of masham and you my gentle knight give me your thoughts think you not that the powers we bear with us will cut their passage through the force of france doing the execution and the act for which we have in head assembled them no doubt my liege if each man do his best i doubt not that since we are well persuaded we carry not a heart with us from hence that grows not in a fair consent with ours nor leave not one behind that doth not wish success and conquest to attend on us never was monarch better feared and loved than is your majesty there's not i think a subject that sits in heart grief and uneasiness under the sweet shade of your government true those who are your father's enemies have steeped their galls in honey and who serve you with hearts create of duty and of zeal we therefore have great cause of thankfulness and shall forget the office of our hand sooner than quittance of desert and merit according to the weight and worthiness so service shall with steeled sinews toil and labour shall refresh itself with hope to do your grace incessant services we judge no less uncle of exeter enlarge the man committed yesterday that railed against our person we consider it was excess of wine that set him on and on his more advice we pardon him that's mercy but too much security let him be punished sovereign lest example breed by his sufferance more of such a kind 
Oh, let us yet be merciful. So may your highness, and yet punish too. Sir, you show great mercy if you give him life after the taste of much correction. Alas, your too much love and care of me are heavy orisons against this poor wretch. If little faults proceeding on distemper shall not be winked at, how shall we stretch our eye when capital crimes, chewed, swallowed, and digested, appear before us? We'll yet enlarge that man, though Cambridge, Scroop, and Gray, in their dear care and tender preservation of our person, would have him punished. And now to our French causes. Who are the late commissioners? I won, my lord. Your highness bade me ask for it to-day. So did you me, my liege. And I, my royal sovereign. Then, Richard, Earl of Cambridge, there is yours. There yours, Lord Scroop of Masham. And, Sir Knight, Grey of Northumberland, this same is yours. Read them, and know I know your worthiness. My lord of Westmoreland and Uncle Exeter, we will aboard to-night. Why, how now, gentlemen? What see you in those papers that you lose so much complexion? Look ye how they change. Their cheeks are paper. Why, what read you there that hath so cowarded and chased your blood out of appearance? I do confess my fault, and do submit me to your highness's mercy. To which we all appeal. The mercy that was quick in us but late, by your own counsel is suppressed and killed. You must not dare for shame to talk of mercy, for your own reasons turn into your bosoms as dogs upon their masters, worrying you. See you, my princes and my noble peers, these English monsters. My lord of Cambridge here, you know how apt our love was to accord to furnish him with all appurtenance belonging to his honour. And this man hath for a few light crowns lightly conspired and sworn upon the practices of France to kill us here in Hampton, to the which this knight, no less for bounty bound to us than Cambridge's, hath likewise sworn. But, oh, what shall I say to thee, Lord Scroop, thou cruel, ingrateful, savage, and inhuman creature, thou that didst bear the key of all my counsels, thou knewest the very bottom of my soul, that almost might have coined me into gold wouldst thou have practised on me for thy use. May it be possible, that foreign hire could out of thee extract one spark of evil that might annoy my finger. Tis so strange, that though the truth of it stands off as gross as black and white, my eye will scarcely see it. Treason and murder ever kept together, as two yoke devils sworn to either's purpose working so grossly in a natural cause that admiration did not hoop at them but thou gainst all proportion didst bring in wonder to wait on treason and on murder and whatsoever cunning fiend it was that wrought upon thee so preposterously hath got the voice in hell for excellence all other devils that suggest by treasons do botch and bungle up damnation with patches colours and with forms being fetched from glistering semblances of piety but he that tempered thee bade thee stand up gave thee no instance why thou shouldst do treason unless to dub thee with the name of traitor if that same demon that hath gulled thee thus should with his lion gate walk the whole world 
he might return to vasty tartar back and tell the legions i can never win a soul so easy as that englishman's oh how hast thou with jealousy infected the sweetness of affiance show men dutiful why so didst thou seem they grave and learned why so didst thou come they of noble family why so didst thou seem they religious why so didst thou or are they spare in diet free from gross passion or of mirth or anger constant in spirit not swerving with the blood garnished and decked in modest compliment not working with the eye without the ear and but in perjured judgment trusting neither such and so finely bolted didst thou seem and thus thy fall hath left a kind of blot to mark the full-fraught man and best endued with some suspicion i will weep for thee for this revolt of thine methinks is like another fool of man their faults are open arrest them to the answer of the law and god acquit them of their practices i arrest thee of high treason by the name of richard earl of cambridge i arrest thee of high treason by the name of henry lord scroop of masham i arrest thee of high treason by the name of thomas gray knight of northumberland our purposes god justly hath discovered and i repent my fault more than my death which i beseech your highness to forgive although my body pay the price of it for me the gold of france did not seduce although i did admit it as a motive the sooner to effect what i intended but god be thanked for prevention which i in sufferance heartily will rejoice beseeching god and you to pardon me never did faithful subject more rejoice at the discovery of the most dangerous treason than i do at this hour joy or myself prevented from a damned enterprise my fault but not my body pardon sovereign god quit you in his mercy hear your sentence you have conspired against our royal person joined with an enemy proclaimed and from his coffers received the golden earnest of our death wherein you would have sold your king to slaughter his princes and his peers to servitude his subjects to oppression and contempt and his whole kingdom into desolation touching our person seek we no revenge but we our kingdom's safety must so tender whose ruin you have sought that to her laws we do deliver you get you therefore hence poor miserable wretches to your death the taste whereof god of his mercy give you patience to endure and true repentance of all your dear offences bear them hence exeunt cambridge scroop and gray guarded now lords for france the enterprise whereof shall be to you as us like glorious we doubt not of a fair and lucky war since god so graciously hath brought to light this dangerous treason lurking in our way to hinder our beginnings we doubt not now but every rub is smoothed on our way then forth dear countrymen let us deliver our puissance into the hand of god putting it straight in expedition cheerly to see the signs of war advance no king of england if not king of france
Exeunt. Scene three. London, before a tavern. Enter Pistol, Hostess, Nim, Bardolph, and Boy. Prithee, honey sweet husband, let me bring thee to Staines. No, for my manly heart doth yearn. Bardolph, be blithe. Nim, rouse thy vaunting veins. Boy, bristle thy courage up, for Falstaff he is dead, and we must yearn therefore. Would I were with him where Samaria is, either in heaven or in hell. Nay, sure, he's not in hell. He's in Arthur's bosom, if ever man went to Arthur's bosom. And made a finer end, and went away, and it had been any christened child. A parted even just between twelve and one, even at the turning of the tide. For after I saw him fumble with the sheets, and play with flowers, and smile upon his fingers' ends, I knew that was but one way, for his nose was as sharp as a pen, and a babble to green fields. How now, Sir John, quoth I, what man, be a good cheer. So he cried out, God, 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 three or four times. Now I, to comfort him, bid him I should not think of God. I hope there was no need to trouble himself with any such thoughts yet. So a bad me lay more clothes on his feet. I put my hand into the bed and felt them, and they were as cold as any stone. Then I felt to his knees, and they were as cold as any stone, and so upward and upward, and all was as cold as any stone. They say he cried out of sack. Aye, that he did. And of women? Nay, that he did not. Yes, that he did. And say they were devils incarnate. And never could abide carnation. Twas a colour he never liked. He said once, the devil would have him about women. It did in some sort, indeed, and women. But then he was rheumatic and talked to the whore of Babylon. Do you not remember? And so a fleece stick up in Bottle's nose, and said it was a black soul burning in hell fire. Well, the field is gone that maintained that fire. That's all the riches I got in his service. Shall we shog? The king will be gone from Southampton. Come, let's away. My love, give me thy lips. Look to my chattels and my movables. Let senses rule. The word is pitch and pay. Trust none, for oaves are straws, men's faiths are wafer cakes and hold fast is the only dog my duck therefore cavito be thy counsellor go clear thy crystals yoke fellows in arms let us to france like horse leeches my boys to suck to suck the very blood to suck and that's but had all some food to say touch her soft mouth and march farewell hostess kissing her i cannot kiss that is the humour of it, but adieu. Let housewifery appear. Keep close, I thee command. Farewell. Adieu. Exeunt. Scene four. France. The King's Palace. Flourish. Enter the French King, the Dauphin, the Dukes of Berry and Bretagne, the Constable, and others. Thus comes the English with full power upon us, and more than carefully it us concerns to answer royally in our defences. 
Therefore the dukes of Berry and of Bretagne, of Brabant and of Orléans shall make forth, and you, Prince Dauphin, with all swift dispatch, to line and new repair our towns of war with men of courage and with means defended. For England his approaches makes us fierce as waters to the sucking of a gulf. It fits us then to be as provident as fear may teach us out of late examples left by the fatal and neglected English upon our fields. My most redoubted father, it is most meet we arm us against the foe, for peace itself should not so dull a kingdom, though worn on a known quarrel were in question, but that defences, musters, preparations should be maintained, assembled, and collected, as were war in expectation. Therefore, I say it is meet we all go forth to view the sick and feeble parts of France, and let us do it with no show of fear, no, with no more than if we heard that England were busied with the wits and Morris dance, for, my good liege, she is so idly kinged, her sceptre so fantastically borne by a vain, giddy, shallow, humorous youth, that fear attends her not. Oh, peace, Prince Dauphin! You are too much mistaken in this king. Question your grace the late ambassadors, with what great state he heard their embassy, how well supplied with noble counsellors, how modest in exception, and withal how terrible in constant resolution, and you shall find his vanities forespent were but the outside of the Roman Brutus, covering discretion with a coat of folly, as gardeners do with order hide those roots that shall first spring and be most delicate. Well, tis not so, my lord high constable, but though we think it so, it is no matter. In cases of defence tis best to weigh the enemy more mighty than he seems, so the proportions of defence are filled, which of a weak or niggardly protection doth, like a miser, spoil his coat with scanting a little cloth. Think we, King Harry, strong! And princes, look, you strongly arm to meet him. The kindred of him hath been fleshed upon us, and he is bred out of that bloody strain that haunted us in our familiar paths. Witness our too much memorable shame when Cressy battle fatally was struck, and all our princes captive by the hand of that black name Edward, black prince of Wales, whiles that his mountain sire, on mountain standing, up in the air, crowned with the golden sun, saw his heroical seed and smiled to see him mangle the work of nature and deface the patterns that by God and by French fathers had twenty years been made. This is a stem of that victorious stock, and let us fear the native mightiness and fate of him. Enter a messenger. Ambassadors from Harry, King of England, do crave admittance to your majesty. We'll give them present audience. Go and bring them. Exeunt messenger and certain lords. You see, this chase is hotly followed, friends. Turn head and stop pursuit, for coward dogs most spend their mouth when what they seem to threaten runs far before them. Good, my sovereign, take up the English short and let them know of what a monarchy you are the head. Self-love, my liege, is not so vile a sin as self-neglecting. Re-enter lords with Exeter and train. From our brother England? From him, and thus he greets your majesty. 
He wills you in the name of God Almighty, that you divest yourself and lay apart the borrowed glories that by gift of heaven, by law of nature and of nations, long to him and to his heirs, namely, the crown and all wide-stretched honours that pertain by custom and the ordinance of times unto the crown of France. That you may know, tis no sinister nor no awkward claim picked from the wormholes of long-vanished days, nor from the dust of old oblivion raked, he sends you this most memorable line, in every branch truly demonstrative, willing to overlook this pedigree, and when you find him evenly derived from his most famed of famous ancestors, Edward the Third, he bids you then resign your crown and kingdom, indirectly held from him, the native and true challenger. Or else what follows? Bloody constraint. For if you hide the crown, even in your hearts, there will he rake for it. Therefore in fierce tempest is he coming, in thunder and in earthquake, like a Jove, that if requiring fail he will compel, and bids you, in the bowels of the Lord, deliver up the crown, and to take mercy on the poor souls for whom this hungry war opens his vasty jaws, and on your head turning the widow's tears, the orphan's cries, the dead men's blood, the pining maiden's groans for husbands, fathers, and betrothed lovers that shall be swallowed in this controversy. This is his claim, his threatening, and my message. Unless the Dauphin be in presence here, to whom expressly I bring greeting too. For us we will consider of this further, to-morrow shall you bear our full intent back to our brother England. For the Dauphin I stand here for him. What to him from England? Scorn and defiance, slight regard, contempt, and anything that may not misbecome the mighty sender, doth he prize you at, thus says my king. And if your father's highness do not, in grant of all demands at large, sweeten the bitter mock you sent his majesty, he'll call you to so hot an answer of it, that caves and wombie voltages of France shall chide your trespass and return your mock in second accent of his ordinance. Say, if my father render fair return, it is against my will, for I desire nothing but arts with England. To that end, as matching to his youth and vanity, I did present him with the Paris bowls. He'll make your Paris Louvre shake for it, were it the mistress court of mighty Europe. And be assured you'll find a difference, as we his subjects have in wonder found, between the promise of his greener days and these he masters now. Now he weighs time even to the utmost grain, that you shall read in your own losses if he stay in France. Tomorrow shall you know our mind at full. Dispatch us with all speed, lest that our king come here himself to question our delay, for he is footed in this land already. You shall be soon dispatched with fair conditions. A night is but small breath and little pause to answer matters of this consequence. Flourish. Exeunt. End of Act Two.